Hello, and welcome to Organic Hideouts. My name is Mike Halkovich, and I will be hosting this podcast and interviewing students from Taliesin, Frank Lloyd Wright School of Architecture. I will be discussing with these students and alumni the student shelters that they have built. Students build these shelters while studying at Taliesin. And after building them and trying their hand at different architectural theories and practices, they have the opportunity to live in these shelters. I will discuss with the architects their experiences and what it was like to build something new in the desert in Scottsdale, Arizona. During the evening of Sunday, November 29th, 2015, I interviewed Pablo Moncayo. The nation, along with ourselves, had just finished the Thanksgiving holiday and weekend, and we're attempting to return to normal. Pablo's routine would be changing more than most, since he was now completing his second program at Taliesin. He was going to complete the master's program, and before that, he had already completed the undergraduate program at the school. Pablo had come from Chihuahua, Mexico in 2000, and had been adjusting both to American life along with Taliesin life, learning how to live in the desert in several student shelters before he decided to renovate an existing shelter and then build his own shelter towards the end of his time. And But at that time, um, I didn't speak English very well. And um, I didn't know a lot of, like, history of the U.S., so they told me to go back to school and took some classes like English, history, and algebra. And, and so I took a year pretty much off, um, got those credits, those classes, and then applied the following year, and I got in. When I came here, I was um, really shy, and I think mostly it was because of, of, of the English barrier, like, my English was really bad. But the good thing is that because we here we have students from all over the world, it's, I would say, maybe like a 50-50, like international students and students from here from the U.S. Everybody had an accent, so they really make me feel like home. And I think that's one of the reasons why I learned English very fast, because um, I wasn't afraid to, you know, like, pronounce things the wrong way. Like, when I was in high school, for example, I didn't learn English there because... Uh, one, uh, most of the students were uh, Spanish-speaking students. Um, a lot of the teachers spoke Spanish, and I don't know. And the the ones that didn't speak Spanish, they were always making fun of the kids that didn't speak English. Or I don't know. So I think that's one of the reasons why I never um, what I did why I didn't learn as fast. Um, but then when I came here, it was a completely different experience. Over the past five years, in which Pablo has attended Taliesin. He has spent much time in the desert, sleeping either in tents or student shelters, or when he became a master's student, he rehabilitated the treehouse, and finally, he had the chance to design his own student shelter closer to the end of his master's program. While staying at all these structures, he learned different things architecturally. And in addition, 
he learned about different desert creatures, including, of course, snakes. But somewhat surprisingly, he also learned about quail. Well, the first two weeks, I, every time I was walking to my shelter, like I had a flashlight in one hand and I had a, a stick on the other one, just in case something came up. Um, but like I said, obviously you get used to it. Um, the, I've never had like like a bad experience where like I don't know, like a an, a coyote tried to eat me or something. Um, the only scary thing that I've had was like the like I said, the snake. I hate snakes. I hate them with a passion. And I don't care if they're rattlesnakes or if they're just like a regular snake. I don't really care. And now, I mean, after five years, uh, other students that like the other day, um, there was a, a snake by the girls' locker room. And um, Natasha, she's one of the students. She was like, "Hey, can you please come and get the snake out of here because like I'm trying to take a shower." <laughs> so I went there and I helped her. I put the snake out. I was switching with other students for like a week or two weeks, or if there was a shelter that nobody was staying there, like I would go and stay there. The the idea behind that is that you get to experience the different shelters so that when you get to build your own, you know the things that work in those shelters and the things that don't work so that you can consider those things for your new design. My favorite thing that I've learned from the shelters is um, the orientation. I, I think it's very important, especially in this type of environment, because we're here in, in Arizona only during the winter. So you're trying to get as much, you're trying to stay um, warm. Um, only the first two weeks and the last two weeks while we're here, those are the ones that are like really hot. Um, but there's some of the shelters that because of the orientation, uh, they get a lot of sun, so they're like way too hot during the day. Or the opposite, they're not getting enough sun and they're too cold. And um, you either have to have a fireplace or a lot of blankets. And one time I had a pack of 12 javelina, and they they don't have very good sight, like sense of sight. So when they um, the shelter where I was staying, it had a lot of glass. So I started hearing like this, like this noise. It, they were, I, I mean, I didn't know what it was, so I woke up because of the noise. And they uh, then I looked, and it was like the javelina. They were bumping into the glass. They were trying to go in. Um, I've also had, uh, one time I had seven deer just like right outside my window. Um, I've had scorpions in my bed. I've had a rattlesnake outside of my of my tent. That's when I was staying on the tent. The, the quails, there's a lot of quails here at Taliesin West. And during the day, I mean, they're like this cute little bird and they don't do anything. But at night, usually they sleep, um, I don't know, like under like a bush or something. And so you're just walking, but if you're gonna, if, if you're walking by them, I mean, if you wake them up, they fly, but they, when they fly, they make this weird noise. It's like the weirdest thing. And it's so, it, it, because it's very unexpected, it's, it always makes you jump. It always. Pablo has built a portfolio between his undergraduate and master's programs. While an undergraduate, he designed a synagogue, along with the Catholic Church, which was to be sited at Chihuahua, Mexico, his hometown. And later on, during his master's program, 
the renovation of the treehouse along with his student shelter also were additions to this portfolio. I really enjoy designing um, spaces that have a focal point, uh, meaning like, for example, in a church, you have the altar, which is a focal point, and then you have seating around, like, looking toward it. Or like in a theater, you have the stage and you have the seating around it. Um, I really enjoy those. And I went to um, Turkey to a trip from school, and we went to the Hagia Sophia, and that was an amazing, amazing experience. It was like a beautiful mosque. One of my friends in Wisconsin, he he um, was raised um, uh, like in he 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 goes to synagogue a lot, and and so he invited me to one of their service, and I thought I w- I found it very interesting how. Um, there's a lot of similarities, but there's also a lot of things that they do different. And I was like, oh, next time I'll design a synagogue. And so I did a lot of research. I went to different synagogues, and um, I learned about um, their religion and all of that. So I really enjoyed the, the, the research part because, I mean, you're designing for a, a different group of people that um, um, that is very different than from, like, a Catholic church. When a student is ready to either update a student shelter already on the Taliesin grounds, or when he is ready to build a new shelter, he will meet with the shelter approval committee. While meeting with the committee, he will discuss what will be built and the process in building it. And often, in many back-and-forth meetings, there is some debate Serving the design or adding to it, um, usually you, I mean, you have to show the list of all the materials that you're going to buy, so what the budget is going to be. Um, you have to show drawings, sections, elevations, floor plan, pictures, diagrams, everything pretty much. And then the review committee consists of different people. There's faculty members, the dean, and um, they're the ones that decide whether what what you're proposing is, is, um, you know, if you, if, if, if they think you're going to be able to build it with the budget that you submitted, um, and then also the time you have, so the, the review committee, they would say like, one of them will agree with you and the other one will not agree with you. So you have to like go back and change things. Um, it, I'm not saying that, I mean, it's not like you have to please everyone. Um, but based on the feedback that they give you, sometimes you're like, okay, they're right. I can make something better. Or sometimes you just have to stick to your to your idea and be like, no, I'm doing this for a reason. And, and, and they're like, okay, if you want to go for it, do it. When Pablo was finishing his undergraduate program at Taliesin, he decided it was time to now build a project that was no longer on paper or on hard drive, but instead was in the physical world. He approached the committee, and instead he was told that he needed to wait a little bit longer until his master's program, until taking that on. Pablo soon thereafter decided to take on the rehabilitation of an existing project built during 1989 titled The Treehouse. 
So at that time, I, I wanted to build the shelter, uh, but the review committee, because they knew that I was coming back for the master's, they recommended me to wait for them to do it during the master's to get more experience. So then, then that's when I said, okay, so how about I renovate the treehouse? At that time, the treehouse was in really bad shape. It had three um, pack rat nests inside. Um, a lot of the trim was missing. Uh, the the roof was leaking, and so and and like the the like the paint on the outside. The treehouse was built in 1989 by Bill Schechter. So it's it's about 20 to 26, to, to 25 to 26 years old, and it was in in, in very rough shape. So I renovated that one for two reasons. Back then, the the restrictions for to build the shelter were different. Um, the 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 older shelters are way bigger than the newer ones. Um, so one, it was big, and two, it's the closest one to the men's locker room. In, in my first proposal, I just said I want to fix these things. There were um, one of the big issues is that the packers dig a hole in one of the walls. They ate all of the insulation and they put choya balls inside. The choya balls are like, uh, they're, they're, it's a type of cactus that it, it, that we have here in, in um, Talias and West. And so they put a lot of those in inside the wall. So I wanted to remove that wall and put a new one and, and paint the shelter. Um, I was pretty much doing, it was more of a restoration rather than a renovation. But then... Um, when I threw like when 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 I was actually doing it, I removed the wall and the existing door that the shelter had. It was in a it was a bit of a awkward because as soon as you go in, there's steps to go down, but there's not like a like a landing place. Uh, so as soon as you open the door, like the door is floating and you you have to go two steps down. The problem is that the 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 ceiling on that space, on where you're going, it, it was it was very low, and every time like people would hit their heads. So when I removed the wall to to put the the, the new wall to fix what it what it had, uh, that's when I realized I was like, well, what about if if I instead of building the wall again, what if I just build a new door and I put it here? So it, it made sense. So that was something that happened afterwards so i had to stop the the i guess the construction process and go back to my review committee and tell them hey look this happened um i want to propose to make to have a new door and um, i had to make new drawings and show them pictures and and then they approved it and then i went back to the shop and built a new door i got the materials and then i went and installed it in and it makes a lot more sense. The term underground has a very long and extensive history to multiple types of art. The range is wide also, and it would include punk rock or different music scenes. It also refers to poetry scenes. And in addition to that, just simply political movements or its players. To some, it is a welcome term. And Pablo soon discovered that it actually had a role in his student shelter project. The, the, the main 
guess the main goal when a student is designing a shelter is pretty much to be safe from like the rain, the sun, the, the wind, and the animals, just to have a, a comfortable space where you can sleep. Um, and that's pretty much it. So like, how do you do it in a way that it hasn't been done? And that's one of the things that I wanted to do. We have shelters that are hanging. We have shelters that are in a wash. We have shelters that are on top of a wash or others that are literally in the wash, like in the condo, in the condo, also the wash. Um, we have shelters that are uh, very open. Some of them don't even have wall. Some of them don't have roof. So I wanted to do something that we don't have, and, and that's when the idea of going underground. And so I was like, okay, we don't have anything underground. I have a glass floor. So you can step on the glass and look down, but while you're in, 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 in the bed, you can look outside. Um, and um, the, the other day I had, um, I had quails. They were like on top of it, and they were just like walking and staying there for a little bit. Um, but th- th- my favorite thing, and this is this is something that I can't say like I designed it that way. It was just a happy accident. Um, the we have the Sky Harbor um, Airport here in Phoenix, and the planes they go exactly parallel with the skylight, or I guess the glass floor. Um, so I get to see like every day. I see that during the day in the morning, I see the planes go to there. Um, at night, the moon. It, it's it's amazing and, and again like this is something that I didn't plan like it was just a happy accident the the moonlight uh, it, it's it's um, so it's a, it's a, the skylight is a rectangular shape and it it just like reflects right in front of me where like in front of the of the headboard and I have um, pots and plants on the outside and you see like those shapes and when it's windy like you see the plants moving. So it's almost like if you have like a picture in front of you, but it's just a reflection of the moon with the plants in front of it. And it's really, really cool. Uh, another thing that I wanted to do with the, the shelter is I wanted to use the materials a different way, uh, a way that usually they're not used um, right now. So usually glass is used uh, for enclosures, like to enclose the building and so that you get to have a view outside. In this case, I did the roof of the outside of the um, outdoor space um, it's just panels that are cascading and the idea is so that I can um, I'll have like light coming into the shelter during the, the day and then at night you get to see the stars and the moon but when it rains it's cascading so you get to see the water going from one panel to the other to the other and then the water just goes down to where the plants are I'm, I'm really happy to graduate and 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 hear other students um, opinion of the shepherd, like when they get to experience it. Um, because I'm, I mean, I'm excited to see the things that they like, but I'm also very uh, uh, curious to see the things that they're like, I don't know why you did this. Like, why, why would you do that? We are now nearing the end of this episode and I would like to start a tradition. And I guess there is no better way to do it than establishing it in the first episode. And this tradition will be to allow the guest to recommend two items, whether a book or a movie or a little of both that have been particularly moving to them. Keep in mind, these are those that subscribe heavily to the thoughts and teachings of Frank Lloyd Wright. 
And if you're listening to this podcast, you are probably of a similar mindset. So these are probably good recommendations. Well thought of recommendations from those that have been exposed to much art and culture. Pablo fairly quickly recommended the book, A Place of My Own, which was written by Michael Pollan. After making that recommendation, he paused and asked me if I could allow him to recommend something that was not a book or a movie, which I agreed with. And he mentioned soon after that he had found traveling particularly significant. He emphasized that traveling did not need to be a faraway place, but that traveling near to one's home was also valuable. And although Pablo has traveled far too, that is an interesting point, and not a bad one. I would like to recommend two things also. The first being the book Falling Water Rising by Franklin Toker. It's a book that explains the building of falling water and the unusual combative relationship between Frank Lloyd Wright and Edgar Kaufman back and forth during the building. The book's pacing is very deliberate, very detailed, and gives you a full understanding of the process of the building. In addition to this, I would like to recommend the book David Lynch, Beautiful Dark, which was written by Greg Olson which is a biography of the filmmaker David Lynch. And similar to Falling Water Rising, the book is very full, very thick, and is very in-depth in explaining one of my favorite artists. So anyways, there you are. Check them out. Thank you very much for downloading or streaming the very first episode of Organic Hideouts. I would also like to thank very much Pablo Moncayo for joining me in this episode and telling me about his years at Taliesin. I would also like to thank Indira Bernson. If you'd like to contact me, I can be reached at organichideouts at gmail.com. Organic Hideouts is a production of the Organic Hideouts Network.